Welcome everybody to the first podcast of uh, from Atonement in Fargo. We don't have a name for it yet, um, so we're we're sort of looking for a name. And and if you have some ideas for a name, um, you could help us out with that. But this for now will be uh, this podcast with Ryan and and Pastor DJ. Pastor DJ. Hey everybody. Uh, just to point out too, when thinking about a name for this, we really would encourage you to. Uh, to uh, send us a message, let us know what you want to call it. One name that we had in mind was God and Stuff, uh, but we think that name's been taken. Yeah. So something something fun and something that um, uh, we could uh, uh, speak to what it is that we're trying to do in our time together. So, And I think we're trying to figure that out as well. Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, thank you for joining us. Um, uh, like I said, I am Ryan Jenke, and uh, this is Pastor DJ Lura. Um, and uh, DJ, you want to go first? Um, how did you? How long have you been a pastor? And and uh, just take us through this process. Yeah, of- sure. So um, I have been a pastor since uh, two thousand and five. Is when I was ordained into ministry. Um, but I grew up in the church and um, have had the the privilege and um, I guess the the benefit of of being involved with different churches all over the country, um, from Washington State to Minnesota to uh, Pennsylvania to North Carolina, and now back here, back home, um, where I'm from in Fargo, North Dakota, and. Um, how I ended up uh, becoming a pastor is just like you end up becoming whatever it is that you like to do. You, you try different things out as you're growing up and you get a sense that, you know, I, I could be good at this or I could be good at that. For me, I, I really had a, a, an internal calling that maybe I should be a pastor from the time I was uh, about 14, 15 years old. And, um, and just like with anything, it was not really sure if this is what I should be doing with my life, um, but trusting that God was guiding me, and, and my story is, is exactly that, God guiding me into public ministry that um, was validated uh, with a call to serve as a pastor of a church in 2005, and then continuing on that way. I mean, when we think about callings, that's different than a call. Uh, in, in the Lutheran church, the distinction is an inward calling from God. You know, we feel called to do all, all kinds of things. Uh, but how do you know that it's coming from God and not just your own imagination or some other voice telling you to do something? Um, in the church, it's with a proper call because the Holy Spirit comes outside of yourself. And we believe that The church, uh, in discerning a call to a pastor, that the Holy Spirit is speaking through that process and speaking through the people of God when they give a public call to public ministry to their pastor. Yeah. So um, that's an an interesting point. I'll I'll go, and then um, I'm going to follow up with a question about that Um, because um, I felt... uh, called to do something else with my life as well. I, um, I started out, uh, I didn't go to college right out of high school. I started out right into the workforce and um, did a lot of stuff I really didn't like very much. 
and um, a lot of uh, auto parts and, and things like that. And then I worked for a municipality for about 13 years. And during that time, I started uh, taking classes at North Dakota State and um, um, just knowing that what I was doing wasn't for me. And I felt like God was calling me. How do you know? Well, first of all, and I'm middle school ministry director here at Atonement now. I have been um, since June of 2019. But how do you know if it's your imagination or if God's calling you? Right. Well, I, a couple of things. I think whatever it is that you do in life, even things that we take for granted, like being um, a son, a daughter, a mother, a, a, a father, a child, all of these are callings that God gives. The, the traditional church language is that it's a vocation as compared to a vacation. <laughs> and, and these are those roles that God gives you for the sake of your neighbor. It's not, it's not for your own benefit. It's for the sake of your neighbor. Um, and so when thinking about what is your calling, it, they're not static. It's not as if your, your calling is to be a school teacher and that's just what it is for the rest of your life. You have different callings at different times based on the need of your neighbor and, and you know, God's intentions for your life. Along with callings is having um, a desire to do something and the gifts to do something. You know, you, someone can say, well, I have a desire to be a pastor, but they really don't have the gifts, the spiritual gifts to be a pastor. Or someone may not have the desire but feel obligated to do something. And often those, you can enter into those roles and God's going to use that for the good of your neighbor. But it, it will not be fulfilling or um, uh, satisfying to the individual, ultimately. Okay. So in life, as we discern what it is that we're supposed to do, how do you know that you're called to do something? It's, it's just very simple. The call comes from outside of you. It comes from the people around you. In public ministry, where we, it's not just um, a, in a church setting as compared to a secular setting, we openly trust that, that God is working through the people of God to lift up leaders, to lift up pastors, to lift up all those things that are needed to carry out ministry, and that when that call comes, it comes from outside the person. Like, I couldn't just show up to atonement and say, hey, I'm going to be your pastor now. Give me the mic. <laughs> it doesn't work it that doesn't way. It doesn't work that way. It has to come outside of yourself. And it may be for a season. I mean, um, it may be for a year or two. It may be for 20 years. Whatever that vocation is that you're doing, whether, whether a pastor, a, a middle school youth director, um, uh, work in construction, you know, for some people, it might be their entire life long, and it's very fulfilling to them. For others, it might just be for a season. It's like, this isn't where I'm supposed to be. And that's part of the journey of life. What makes it a calling, though, is determined not by what you're doing, but the faith that God is guiding you and leading you into whatever your purpose in life is. Okay. Yeah, you, you said um, something... Um, that your call comes from outside of you, the people around you. I've really noticed that as a middle school ministries director, there are some people who I've asked um, to be uh, hosts 
or, or leaders for the confirmation groups, and they're like, I could never do that. No way. Nobody would want me around their kids. And they've done a bang-up job. They've been some of the best we've, you know, we've had in a while. Yeah. So, yeah, it definitely comes from outside of you. And that is something that's different than other faith traditions. Um, you know, the Lutheran church is, the Lutheran tradition is, is 90% Catholic and 90%, 90% Protestant. It's, it's right in, it, it brings in the best of both, right? Yeah. And the thing that is unique about the Lutheran confessions is that we don't trust ourselves to speak God's word to ourselves. In other words, I may think something is a great idea and that the Holy Spirit has put it on my heart, but if it's not validated outside of myself, then I can't trust it. That's why we trust a preacher's words outside of ourselves to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ more than we do our own ideas about God. And there are some faith traditions that it's like, I have this inward calling, I'm going to open up shop and, and start preaching. Um, in the Lutheran church, that's, that's why ordination is, is part of our church tradition, that we have well-versed pastoral leaders in our churches who know the Word of God, who know the, the confessions, who know how to lead, who know how to lead worship for the sake of good order and because um, authority to preach does not come from inside, it comes from outside. It comes from God outside of ourselves. Right. Does that make sense? It does make sense. So um, you kind of touched on things that you need to know to be a pastor. Um, Take us through that. How long? How long did it take you to become ordained from the time you, you know, you graduated high school or whatever, yeah. uh, and or or started college until you were yeah. ordained? So when I was, um, you know, I, I very Lutheran, raised in the Lutheran Church, baptized on April Fool's Day, nineteen seventy-eight. <laughs> Hope it sticks. Whoops. Um, I was confirmed in a, in a Lutheran church when I was in eighth grade, and at that time, I had no interest in any of this stuff. I wanted to be a professional basketball player, and uh, at five foot nine and a hundred and nothing. You were a little short a on little, one hand, right? A little right? short, yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't care for the church stuff. I, I found the Bible really interesting, and I've always, I've always enjoyed reading the Bible, but, but, you know, being a pastor, all that stuff, I wasn't interested in that. Fifteen and sixteen... Um, I was working at a, at a Christian camp year-round um, in their dining hall, serving meals, and, um, you know, had my, my own spiritual walk with God, but really got the sense outside of myself that, that this is what I should be. I can remember in high school, we had to take these surveys to figure out what, what should you do with your life. I don't know if they still mm -hmm. do those. And mine came back, I, had, I was really high on three uh, vocations, and, and I thought they were interesting because I wasn't sure exactly how they went together. Uh, either go into um, police work, become a policeman, become a psychiatrist, or become a pastor. So, psychiatrist and pastor maybe, but the police part <laughs> always kind of threw me. And, um, and, and I was the one that my friends would come to and, and people would know that if they needed to talk to somebody, they could come and speak to me. And I, I don't know, I just I kind of got that reputation. And uh, so it was like, well, maybe this, is, maybe this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And I was living in, in the Seattle area at that time, uh, having been born in North Dakota, uh, having grown up in the Lutheran Church, uh, where in 
North Dakota as compared to other parts of the country. I mean, this is this is the this is the ghetto of Lutherans. I mean, there are Lutherans everywhere, and all and there's different kinds of Lutherans in North Dakota. They're not all the same. They have they have their own uh, alphabet soup. You know, that's kind of our thing. And but that wasn't the case in Washington State. In Washington State, um, there was many diverse Christian denominations, but altogether we were still the minority in a much more secular and um, uh, non-religious uh, community in Washington State. And so my understanding of Christianity wasn't uniquely Lutheran. It was more just kind of a, a general understanding of Christianity. Um, and so in, in having a sense that I was called to be a pastor and specifically a Lutheran pastor, my thinking at 18 was, well, I need to go back to where the Lutherans are and learn how to be Lutheran. <laughs> Uh, so I, I also, just like yourself, I ended up um, getting accepted and going to North Dakota State University in Fargo, moved back here during the worst winter in, in 100 years, in, in 96, 97, whatever that was. 97, yeah. Yeah. Uh, learned how to, how to um, pack sandbags in order to pass math class. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you remember that? It was a good time. I'd rather done the numbers. Oh, man. I, I, I never learned how to balance a checkbook, but I can, I can pack a sandbag. But uh, when I got back here, that's when I got involved with the church in, in youth leadership and really kind of got my feet wet with, with being a minister of some sort through, through youth ministry at this church, teaching confirmation and being involved in that way. Um, and working on my degree, um, I had a teacher at, at um, NDSU that I went and spoke to to say, you know, I want to go to seminary. And I knew I wanted to go to one specific seminary, Luther Seminary in St. Paul, Minnesota. Okay. Uh, the best professors. The, okay. the ones that just kind of, you know, when researching this, it's like, wow, these guys are, are amazing and from all over the place. So, you know, I had a professor who was from Oxford. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I mean, at the time I went to Luther Seminary, it was very much like, I, I always thought of it like an Ivy League level seminary. Um, just very well, a lot of really smart people there, uh, and a lot of diversity to experience. Um, and so I talked to this professor, and I'm like, okay, so, so what should I be taking? He said, don't take any religious classes, don't take any Bible classes at NDSU. You'll get plenty of that at seminary. Take everything else and really discern in these four years, do you want to go into seminary? Do you want to go through the discernment process to see if you are going to be called to be a pastor. And so that was, that was a good experience for me to be um, in college and, and starting that discernment time then, four years before going to seminary. So what you, what'd you, uh, uh, what'd you major in? I majored in sociology okay. with an emphasis on social psychology. And the reason I ended up going that route, um, originally I had been I knew I wanted to go to seminary, and there wasn't anything that really caught my eye. And so I think I was taking like university studies or something, <laughs> something like yeah. that. I can't remember. And but what a class that I wanted to take while at undergrad was I wanted to take um, Greek, uh, primarily biblical Greek, but they didn't have it. So I took ancient Greek, and we learned like it's kind of like the difference between. Shakespeare's English and American English. Mm -hmm. Like you can tell they're saying the same thing, but they're not saying the same thing. <laughs> that's, that's what Attic or Ancient Greek is to Koine Greek, uh, Biblical Greek, 
they're far enough apart that it's like two different two different two different dialects of the same language. So I studied, I, I took that, but for my degree, I found out I had to take a, a foreign language, and that that didn't count. It's not, not foreign enough. No, I, yeah, it's a dead. It was a dead language. I had to take something that wasn't dead, like Spanish or French or German or you know something like that. Okay. And so at that point, I was like, do I really want to start studying another language? Uh, I like I like psychology. I like sociology. Let's change our major. So I did that in my my second year of college, and I really enjoyed uh, social psychology. Why people think the way that they do and how they interact with one another in groups. Yeah, that I'm sure helped a long way with. What you're doing now? A lot more than yeah. I expected. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So then you went to Luther Seminary, and and um, how long how long did that take you? So um, seminary took four years. It's a four year. So so the requirement to become a pastor, academic wise, is you need to have a bachelor's degree, uh -huh. and then you need to get a master's degree. And the Master of Divinity program um, within the Lutheran church tradition is four years. It's three years of schooling and one year of, of internship, of being in, embedded with a congregation. Okay. And at least when I was going through, that was the, the requirement. Along with a um, semester of serving in a chaplain role in um, a hospital or a long-term care facility or something like that. So it's four years of seminary, one internship, and one chaplaincy. Okay, okay. Then you bounced all over and you came here in January of 2019? Yeah, yeah, just, uh, just over a year ago now. And um, uh, the winter last year was nasty. Yeah, that's my fault. Uh, I hadn't been here for 20 years, so it was all crammed up into one shot. So I, I've apologized many times for this and asked, asked forgiveness for the winter last year. Uh, that's funny. So, and you've been uh, uh, preaching and doing a fantastic job. Um, Thank you. Praise God. Yeah. And last week, so I don't want to spend a lot of time on uh, COVID-19 because it's all around us. Yeah. Um, but I do want to talk about um, something you said and then something uh, that you read when we did some uh, uh, Instagram and TikTok videos. And, and if you're not following us on, on the Instagram and the TikTok, you should be. <laughs> you can find us at the TikTok. Uh, the TikTok. Uh, um, and TikTok, I, I think you can find us at Atonement Fargo Students. Atonement Fargo Students. Uh, uh, our producer, Sarah, is in here with us because she's the brains of the operation. Keeping uh, us in line. <laughs> <laughs> Atonement Fargo students, and that's for Instagram as well. That's for Instagram as well. Um, and uh, DJ, you read something from Martin Luther, mm -hmm. um, and I, I thought that it was something to that was that would be interesting to um, read. And we can post this somewhere. We'll post yeah. it somewhere. Yeah, um, and uh, uh, I'll read it. Um, this is from Martin Luther in November of 1527. Um, uh, he was speaking, is this John Hess, was that a, a friend of his? Yeah, John Hess is, is known as the reformer of Silesia. Okay. I'm not sure where Silesia is, but... <laughs> Louisiana. Yeah, yeah, right. He's a, he, he was a, a pastor, um, but also a, a reformer like Martin Luther and a friend of his. Okay, and the plague was going on at the time. Um, which, do we know which plague it was? 
Yeah, I don't one. know. I don't know. <laughs> it was a bad yeah. one. You read, I'll Google. Okay, yeah. Sarah is going to Google. Uh, but this is what Martin Luther said. Use medicine. Take whatever may be helpful to you. Fumigate your house, yard, and street. Avoid persons and places where you are not needed or where your neighbor has recovered. Act as one who would like to help put out a general fire. What is the pestilence, after all, but a fire which consumes body and life instead of wood and straw? Meanwhile, think thus. With God's permission, the enemy has sent poison and deadly dung among us, and so I will pray to God that he may be gracious and preserve us. Then I will fumigate to purify the air, give and take medicine, and avoid places and persons where I am not needed, in order that I may not abuse myself, and that through me others may not be infected and inflamed with the result that I became the cause of their death through my negligence. If God wishes to take me, he will be able to find me. At least I have done what he gave me to do and am responsible neither for my own death nor the death of others. But if my neighbor needs me, I shall avoid neither person nor place, but feel free to visit and help him. Behold, this is a true and God-fearing faith, which is neither foolhardy nor rash and does not tempt God. 500 years ago. This is most certainly true. Yeah. The bubonic plague. The bubonic plague. The bubonic plague had just entered Germany. And so um, um, you said, uh, your quote was, there's nothing new under the sun. Right. Um, and this, this goes, you know, goes to that. Um, so do you have any general thoughts on, on this? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, it is always wise when we experience in our own life something that seems unprecedented to recognize and to look back to say, has, has something similar to what we're currently experiencing through the you know, COVID-19 pandemic around the world, how, how, did, how did the wise people that came before us respond to such things? And here you have something that was written 500 years ago. I mean, they didn't know what penicillin was, let alone uh, microscopic cells or what a virus was. Mm -hmm. um, but here you have some common sense advice that I think was true in Luther's time, but just as true today. And there was a, when Luther wrote this, he, he, he was getting requests from John Hess and others to say, well, what, what does the Christian do when a pestilence hits an area? Because it would wipe out everybody. And the thinking was to, to flee. And, you know, the big question was, well, can a Christian flee in the face of a pestilence or are they being unfaithful to God as if they're faithless, right? Mm -hmm. So you have, you have some, a couple different issues that, that you're, you're dealing with in the face of a death that comes and you don't know how people are getting sick. And, and you know what? That's kind of where we're at right now, too. Mm -hmm. We don't know enough about the coronavirus to understand, you know, is it, is it just from droplets from someone who's infected? How long does it last? How long does it stay? You know, those are all the questions that we're, we're struggling with. Luther gives very matter-of-fact advice here. The first thing he says, if you look at what he's talking about, is um, take care of yourself. You know, you got, if you can't take care of yourself, you can't take care of your neighbor. 
So you gotta take care of yourself. You gotta take the medicine you need to take. You gotta be smart with how you engage with other people. Basically self-quarantine is what he's saying. Not all the time, but to a greater extent when you have something like a plague coming. You know, what does he say? He says, uh, fumigate your house, yard, and street, you know? Mm -hmm. Be clean. Yeah. Clean up after yourself. I mean, all common sense stuff, stuff that we're talking about today, washing your hands, try not to touch your face. Although, I find that since this has been going on, I'm much more aware of how often I touch my face. It, it's kind of <laughs> like when somebody says lice and you, and you right. keep scratching your head. It, it's, my it's, head's starting to itch. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Yeah, we touch our faces all the time. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, this is the advice that he's giving. And, and when he's, in saying that, he then goes on, and, and what's the first thing you should do when engaging your neighbor? Pray. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing he says. And recognize, this is, this is what Luther calls confession. Recognizing who we are before God and recognizing who God is. And so it's, it's praying to God that this is being allowed to happen. You know, you notice, notice in that statement, he's like, God's still in control of this, but for whatever reason, who knows, and it's wrong to even speculate as to why, God is allowing this current, current trial and suffering to happen. Um, and if you notice, Luther likes to use uh, colorful language. With God's permission, the enemy has sent poison and a deadly dung among us. A deadly dung? Yeah. That makes it all the worse. Yes. The, the word dung. Yeah, but that's Luther. I mean, Luther was very earthy, and he, he called it what it is and didn't, didn't have any problem using phrases that, that would catch your ear, you know, but would seem a little too peasant-like to the higher-ups and the important people. Didn't bother Luther one bit. He was talking to everybody. But he says, you pray to God. You pray for your neighbor. Um, and then you seek to help your neighbor the best possible way, which includes staying away from them. Why am I staying away from them? Not for my own benefit, but for my neighbor's benefit. And I think that's really important to keep in mind in a time of having to isolate yourself, mm -hmm. that you're isolating yourself not out of fear, but out of love. Right. Does that, does that make sense? I mean, yeah. I think about the people that I care about that are in, in, in the vulnerable places in my own life, like, you know, uh, my parents, my mother-in-law, they're, they're near that vulnerable age. Uh, plus my kids, you know. Mm -hmm. um, well, am I really concerned of my kids going to school and getting COVID-19 there? Honestly, not really. Mm -hmm. But I am concerned about them passing something on that could be detrimental to someone else, just like Martin Luther talks about here. So I, I, I quarantine myself and I take care of my neighbor as best I can, but by quarantining myself, I'm doing it for the sake of my neighbor so that I don't inadvertently cause some harm to happen to them through the passing of, you know, whatever the plague was. Right. It's, it's, not, it's not fearful and it's not selfish. It's right. being responsible. It's being faithful, yeah. I think. Um, you know, when we're free in Christ, we're not free to keep a bunch of rules, right? right. We're, we're, we're free to actually love our neighbor mm -hmm. because we see them not as 
less than us or more than us, but the same as us. We're all sinners in need of God's grace. And when that word breaks in on you, that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone, um, it then frees you to love your neighbor and to see their needs and wants as being a little bit more important than your own. Um, It makes us go from being selfish to living a selfless love. And it's not perfect. We're always going to be sinners. Right. But we're forgiven sinners in Jesus Christ. And that's who we are now. The, the old is already done. The new has already begun. So, um, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. The, the old wisdom still stands today. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have, we've, we've expanded in technology. We've, we've expanded in our knowledge of the physical world. But the common sense things hasn't, hasn't changed. They're still there. So. Yeah, right. Okay, so, um, yeah, we'll have that uh, posted um, wherever we're, we're posting this, which is going to be on Spotify, right? Mm-hmm. I'm talking to Sarah now. Spotify and uh, uh, YouTube and atonement.live. Backslash podcast. Backslash podcast. It's the, the podcast hour. Ooh, maybe that's what we should call it. The backslash podcast at atonement. <laughs> He does have a nice little... Yeah. Kind of covers everything after the first address. (laughs) All right, we'll we'll let that one marinate for a while. (laughs) Again, if you have any clever ideas, please let us know. Uh, Where can they let us know at? Atonement.live backslash podcast. You can let us know your ideas for this craziness. So, um, so we'll, we'll leave that at that great advice from Martin Luther. That'll be up uh, with the podcast. Um, and so I want to move on. Next week is Holy Week. What's your, what's your favorite part of Holy Week or, and or Easter, you know, when you think of, of that? Chocolate eggs. Chocolate eggs. No, I'm kidding, actually. <laughs> I, you know, the, when you're thinking about this, I, I you know, Easter's Easter's great. Um, uh, the resurrection is is really what it's all about. But Holy Week for me really is about Good Friday. And the reason for that is because my kind of aha moment. Well, let me let me just put it this way. I've always been a Christian. I've always believed that, that Jesus is my Lord. I, I was raised in the church, right? Like many of us are. And I went to seminary, like I mentioned, because I had this sense that maybe I should become a pastor. Maybe God was leading me to this. And, and my journey to where I am today has, from my eyes, it's like God has, has been directing things quite a bit. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't until my second year in seminary that a preacher preached the gospel to me in such a way that it just, it, it, to use um, very Lutheran language, it killed me and it raised me up. Mm. And what he preached was Good Friday, uh, the events of Good Friday, the, the death of Jesus on the cross. Because the question that drove me into seminary was, why did Jesus have to die? I never under, I, I didn't understand it. I believed it, mm-hmm. but I didn't understand it. I always had this doubt like, well, if it's finally up to me to, to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior, why don't I just stop sinning? Mm-hmm. 
um, why did why did he have to die? I didn't. It didn't. It didn't make sense to me in my head. Mm-hmm. I believed it to be true. I just didn't understand it. And in my second year of seminary, uh, uh, Dr. Stephen Paulson preached the gospel in our class called "Jesus the Savior," mm-hmm. and it it was the cross. And I got cat. I got caught by the cross. Nice. Uh, my place in the cross. Yeah. <laughs> and it killed me. Uh, but he didn't leave me in death, just like a preacher should. He brought the gospel after after the law had had put me down. Mm-hmm. had killed me and, and raised me up with the forgiveness, the, the absolution that comes in Jesus Christ alone, that you, a sinner, are forgiven. Yeah. And, and for me, that's what Good Friday is about. It's, it's, it's that point of we're cutting through everything else. We're at the cross. We're paying attention to the cross. Let's, let's get down to the nitty-gritty as to why Jesus died for you um, in this event and how you are implicated in it. Yeah. So, you know, for me, when Good Friday rings true, then Easter Sunday becomes Hallelujah. You know, the the, mm-hmm. the big the big celebration at that point because death is overcome. Uh, uh, death has been swallowed up in victory by Jesus. But mm-hmm. you can't get there without hitting Good Friday, and Good Friday has to kill you. Right. Your answer is a lot deeper than mine because mine is just the snicker eggs. <laughs> The, the snicker eggs. Okay, I, I was lying again. It's the it's the Cadbury eggs. I'm I'm a big big fan of those Cadbury eggs. As long as it's not the peeps. <laughs> no. the, the peeps are terrible. No, I, I think for me it's it's you know there's there's two holidays when a lot of people come back to church. Right, it's Christmas and it's Easter. Yep. And you see a lot of people coming, um, and that's kind of how it was when I was a kid too. Everybody would go. You know, it was. Important to go to the sunrise service for whatever yep. reason. I don't, yep. We didn't go last week or the week before, but I, you know, um, so that that's something that is is uh, I've always loved about that because it always brings people back yeah. and hopefully kickstart something to keep coming next week and the week after. Because a friend of mine once said, "You always feel good coming out of church. Mm-hmm. Have you ever really felt bad? You know, when you when you walk out of a church service." Um, so I think people get that, and and sometimes it sparks yeah. for them to come back. Yeah. So I've always liked that. Yeah, you're right. And um, you know, when Easter happens too, it's usually, it's it's at least in this part of the country, the the gloom and doom of winter has finally subsided, and and hopefully you have some sun. Maybe not this year around, since we're having snow again today. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it really does have that. There's a, it's, it's joyous. Yeah. What I think is important to remember, um, especially for people who are, who are getting back into church, even coming on Easter, every Sunday throughout the entire year is Easter. Yeah. It's not just Easter Sunday in the spring. Every Sunday is Easter because Christ is risen. It has already been accomplished for you. And, it, you know, it gets me thinking about... When you start getting into the habit of going to church, it's 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 something that you get hungry for. Mm-hmm. Like if you don't if you don't go to church one week, uh, something feels off. Yeah, there's something really true about that. And you know, there's two things working against us when it comes to church: our sinful nature and the world. Neither one of them wants to go to church right. because. When you go to church, you're going to meet the living God where he promises to be. And what the living God does is 
he puts you in your proper place as a as someone made in his image that is imperfect in yourself and not a god unto yourself yeah. but you are forgiven on his account and made new given new life um, and so it's important, I think, to keep that in mind that when, you know, when, when people behoove, well, I wish people would come to church more often, there are enemies working against mm -hmm. people to keep them from hearing the gospel. Yeah. And, um, and there is a joy that comes in going to church when you're preached to in such a way that it, it hits home through the song, through the fellowship, through everything. It's, it is an experience of the living God in the midst of his people. Every week, yeah, and like like for people listening, um, I I could equate it too to going to the gym. I mean, people who you know go to the gym re religiously, for mm -hmm. lack of a mm -hmm. better term, um, you know, they'll tell you, I I gotta go. I get up and I want to go. I have to go. Yeah, and it, yeah, if if you go to to church every Sunday and then all of a sudden it's every Sunday and every Wednesday because there's things going on Wednesday then you get in a life group and all of a sudden you're there three times a week and it's just I I got to go yeah. I got to be there so well and you know what um uh, we love people coming on Christmas love people coming on Easter um for those who only come on Christmas and Easter and or Easter um you're getting the the birth of Jesus and you're getting the resurrection of Jesus there's so much more that ties those two events together that um, would, would bless the person mm -hmm. and brighten the person. Because we don't know what we don't know, right? right? But when you get something that's a true blessing, promises from God that are actually valid that you can grab a hold of, I mean, it really does change your life. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Well, um, we've got some questions, and for those of you listening, if you have questions, uh, please submit them to Atonement.live slash podcast. You can submit questions, um, and I, I reached out to a few people. Um, I didn't get permission to use any of their names, so I won't, um, but we've, we've got some um, questions that, um, that I'd like. I'd like to hear your, your thoughts on, DJ. Okay. Um, so the first one is someone asked, what is the best way to create and use a prayer list consistently? Yeah. Uh, the best way that I found for myself is to purposely, and it might be getting out your, your calendar book or your planner, um, put, putting in your phone, set aside 10 to 15 minutes every single day. Um, for at least two weeks as a starter because then you'll get in the pattern of, of holding those, those 10 to 15 minutes sacred every day. To be in conversation with God, uh, you can get a notebook and to begin in those 10 to 15 minutes, whether it's in the morning, in the evening, whatever, that's set aside for you to, to practice Psalm 4610, which is be still and know that I am God. Have a notebook. And begin just putting in the notebook uh, in your prayer life the things that you feel the Holy Spirit is putting on your heart. And you start writing those down. And that's how you start uh, an active prayer list. And you just work through that list and lift those things up to God. That's, 
that's what prayer is. It's, it's not so much getting God to do what we want him to do, but it's, it's listening to God and being made aligned with God's intentions, God's purposes, and God's presence in your life. And then you begin to hear God more. And hearing God, you know, I mean, when we talk that way, um, I have never had the Lord speak in words clear from the Lord's own mouth in my head through a vision or, or a dream or, or hearing voices. It's not like that. It's more um, heart hearing. Mm-hmm. Um, trusting God's guiding hand and seeing it unfold. That's, that's the kind of hearing that we're talking about. And so the practice of, of setting aside 10 to 15 minutes every day, it's not a lot, but it's the starting point. It's, it's the planting of the seed that will extend your, your daily prayer life. And then get a notebook and just start recording those things that are on your heart and just start praying through those and, be, and then be mindful of how God is answering the prayers that you are lifting up about those specific circumstances. So when you talk about this 15 minutes, are, are you, should there be some, some Bible reading in there and some journaling and praying, or are you talking just 15 minutes of quiet, you're sitting there with your, with your list and writing down a... a well, based, based on the question about a prayer list or a prayer, you know, a, a prayer journal is what you want to do with that. Okay. But of course, I mean... A time of devotion is good. And the other thing, too, is that with prayer, it doesn't need to be long. As, as more things are laid on your heart, it will become longer. Mm-hmm. But really, I mean, um, like I've talked in, in the church here, and I always get the number wrong, but, you know, all you need is a 10-second prayer. I think you've timed me, and it was more like 15 seconds. Yeah, but. Call it, yeah it's, it's the 15-second, the, the 10-second prayer. That's right, that's right. <laughs> you know, it, it just it has four things. It addresses God, dear God. It, it gives thanks. Thank you. And you name what you're thankful for. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it seeks God's intercessory action when you say, help me. And you name what you need help for. And you close it in Jesus' name. Because Jesus is the only one through whom any prayer is heard from, um, heard by God, or answered by God, is because of Jesus. So we pray in Jesus' name. Dear God, thank you. Help me in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. That was like five seconds. That was five. Se- it depends on how many, uh, how many, how many petitions you. Yeah. yeah. How many? Yeah. Yep. How many? Uh, how many <laughs> petitions? Yeah. Exactly. So, um, so yeah, just just um, um, for people who want to. Um, do that. You need to set that time aside where there's no, uh, no Netflix or right. or YouTube or best probably to do it before the kids wake up, yeah. right? And, and morning cup of coffee. Uh, so you got to get up at five thirty to get that cup of coffee, and before the the world gets really crazy and life starts happening. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and and it's really. I mean, be still and know that I am God. Is I, I love it in Hebrew. Because it's it's like um, it just it, it's a very breathable prayer. It's it's actually something that I do whenever I get anxious. Is I'll start praying uh, these words: Rafa Yada Anoki Elohim, which is "Be still and know that I am God" in Hebrew. Okay. Uh, and it's just Rafa Yada Anoki Elohim. It, it's very poetic in its rhythm, but it's it's unplugging from everything else and all the distractions that we put in our lives to keep ourselves busy 
and protect us from boredom, I guess, or whatever mm-hmm. it may be. Distractions. Yeah. Yeah. You need that quiet time. Yeah. I'm embarrassed to say for me it's Candy Crush. Well, if you do five rounds of Candy Crush, you can do some quiet time, right? So did you know that um, the difference between a healthy relationship and an unhealthy relationship between people, uh, whether like, like a husband and wife, the difference between a happy marriage and an unhappy marriage is intentional 15 minutes every day. Mm of really listening and really sharing your needs and your wants with your significant other. That's why like the practice of um, a family dinner is so great because mm-hmm. your entire family gets together at one time, they get away from all the distractions and they're intentionally engaged with each other, even if it's just you know scarfing down some spaghetti. Right. That time together um, brings people together. Uh, strengthens the bonds that they have and the relationship that they have and allows for better communication than what we usually have with other people. Between husband and wife, that's all the difference it is. 15 minutes of being able to engage their needs and their wants. Well, what are we talking about when we're engaging with our Creator and Redeemer? 15 minutes of being in actual conversation with God. And the key to that is not the talking, it's the listening. Okay. Yeah, because they go hand in hand, but it's just, it's 15 minutes, and that will strengthen your relationship as your prayer life gets stronger with God. Taking that time just to just to be with just God, to, just to be there. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and the so the, this this question sort of goes along with that. What is the best way to talk to God? Just start talking to God. Just start talking to God. He knows already. Yeah, so I like I like what the Apostle Paul says when he says, um, "We don't know how to pray as we ought, so the Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words." Right? Mm. Um, you know, uh, people can sometimes, especially Lutherans, can get a little uncomfortable with the idea of speaking in tongues. Yeah. Well, that's what Paul's talking about there, and it's not even making sounds; it's just nothing more than a sigh that is turned to God. Because your heart is, the Holy Spirit is interceding. Your heart is praying to God faster than your mind can translate it into words. Mm -hmm. And and so you don't need to come up with the right words to talk to God. You don't need to come up with the right practice. You just need to talk to God. Like like a child talking to themselves. My my son has no problem. (laughs) Daddy, 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 daddy. Why, 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 why? And, and that's how we're supposed to be with our Creator. He delights in us that way. He's our Heavenly Father. And so it's, it's more, because for somebody who would say, well, if he, if he already knows what's in my heart, why do I even need to do it? It's more about that listening piece. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, God knows what's in your heart. You don't know what's in your heart. And, and it's about getting in relationship with your Creator. Who It's like, okay, I'll use the example of my son again. I always know what he's doing. He doesn't know I always know what he's doing, but I always know what he's doing. And I have my eyes on him. But when things really get fun is when he engages with me and we're moving together. Mm. 
rather than me, you know, him doing whatever he's doing and me watching from a distance. That's kind of how it is with God. God knows what we're doing and God is with us. Um, we're never alone. And yet when we turn from whatever is distracting us and actually intently pay attention to God, well, then he has things he wants to show us and, and things that he wants to do with us. And life becomes a joy yeah. when walking with God, even in the midst of perseverance, like, you know, a current international pandemic going on. Right. God's still here. Yeah. Cool. Well, on that note, um, maybe we should say a prayer and call it, call it good for today, huh? Right. Do you yeah. want to pray or want me to? Um, I'll, I'll hear how you do it. All right. Let's let you time it. All right. <laughs> let's pray. Dear God, thank you for this time and this conversation and um, help everyone who is currently fearful, um, feeling alone and isolated, let them know that you are with them, that you love them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, uh, thank you everyone for, for listening uh, for the entire time. Um, and again, uh, you can find us. What's so funny? The entire time. <laughs> <laughs> they left and came back. Yes, Fast forward too. Well, we thank you for those who listened a little bit, left, and then came back. Uh, all right. So we will be uh, back next week, um, and the, the podcast will drop on what day of the week typically? Fridays. Fridays. We'll shoot for Fridays. Um, and again, if you have any comments, questions, uh, or, or suggestions for a clever name, uh, you can just go to atonement.live slash podcast, and uh, we'll, we'll take all of that there. Uh, so until next time, DJ, thank you. Thank you. Sarah, thank you. And um, we'll see you later. <laughs>